Thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us. Thank you for your extravagant love poured upon us moment by moment. We just thank you that we have another opportunity to look into your word together and to allow it to speak to us and change us, Lord. And we want to bow at your word this morning. We invite you into this time together, and we thank you for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are looking at Acts 13 today, Acts chapter 13. And as you know, for a very long time, longer than I realized, we've been studying the Word, the power of the Word, the Word of His power. Wow. I think we could study it our whole life long, and we should, because there is so much power in the Word, and all things are upheld by the Word of His power. And it's such an ongoing lesson in our life that never goes away, that we have to learn to walk the Word out in our lives. And so it's a blessing. All right, so here we are at chapter 13. And that chapter 13 has a lot to say about the word. So let's look at it. When they were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets, now this was Barnabas and Saul that we're talking about, so we know if you go back to the last couple of verses in the previous chapter, but the word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they finished their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, which had been brought up with the, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So here we see uh, people separated for a purpose, for a mission, sent on a mission to that God had called them out for. And uh, God does do this. We uh, understand this, that sometimes it's not, not our... Oh, I don't know how to say this right. <laughs> I'll say this wrong. God, we're all called. We're all called of God to serve. We understand that. But sometimes as we go along, God has a special mission for us to separate us for. Separate yourself now for this time and season and this mission. And so here, that was what happened here. Of course, for Saul, it was a little bit, you know, broader than for the rest. But still, we see that this was by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And again, you know, and that was when we studied the book of Acts itself, or itself, initially, um, we saw how the Holy Spirit is at work in every single chapter here in the book of Acts. I mean, it's at work in the whole Bible. But you understand what I'm saying, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then we saw how in the early church, the Holy Spirit was at work in various ways. And here's another way where the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, these two, I want them to do thus and so. And so we always have to be willing and, and ready and make ourselves available. They were willing. If you're not willing, you know, we talk about this a lot too. Willing and obedient, it goes together. Uh, our part is to be willing. 
And then once we, we know God uses willing people, but they, they need to follow through then and be obedient. It, it's kind of a, you, can, you really can hardly separate the two. But because in that, in that word willing, it is, it is, it's kind of tucked in there also that, that means that you're going to act on it. Okay? Not just willing. Yeah, I'm willing and never, never go. Like we have that story, that parable that Jesus told one son said, Oh yeah, I'll go. And the other said, No, I, I won't go and ends up they do the opposites. Well, okay, so we, he needs willing and I say that a lot. He, all God needs is willing people. That's true. But, but once you're willing, then you need to be obedient also. And willing and obedient do go together. Um, brother Dave brought that out one day when he was talking to us about, about the offering part. And that it says that in the word that if we're willing and obedient and that's, that, that is absolutely gospel truth. So, so they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the they would preach the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. When they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. So we see that they preached the word of God, that they shared the word. They weren't just talking about other stuff. <laughs> so important that we remember that when we get together, we need to share the word of God with one another and with whoever happens to be around because it's the word of God that is the power of God unto salvation. And it's our life. And so here we see that as they traveled, and we have on those maps there in the back of the room, um, the travels of Paul, you know, outlined for us. So we, we can take a look at that later on and just kind of makes it a little more real like to see that these places that we just mentioned, you know, to see the connection and where where they are from point to point. So maybe at the end we can pull that out and <clears throat> take a look at it. But Elemis, the sorcerer, for so his his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And isn't this always the way it is? Wherever the word of God is being brought forth, or being spoken, what happens? There's the enemy fighting, fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. Why? Because the word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing, piercing asunder of soul and spirit, whatever the words are there. And it changes us. It has power, and the enemy knows that. And so wherever the word is brought forth, there's there's a fight. There's a tremendous fight. It's resisted. It was no different in the early church, so that should make us feel comforted. <laughs> it was no different in the early church. Here was Barnabas and Saul, and they were powerful men of God, and yet here they were being resisted, right? And so, you know, that's one thing I think, I think it's a comfort myself, that when you look into the Word of God, you see that no matter who it was, they had the same struggles, the same enemy, the same resistance that we, we, the same fight of faith that we fight, they fought. It was no different for them. We're not an exception. They're not an exception. And you understand? Jesus fought the fight. 
Jesus was resisted. The enemy resisted him and, and tried to tempt, te- not tried to, tempted him and, 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 you know, fought against him with all his might and main. So, it's, that's an encouragement. We are gonna have to fight the good fight of faith. It's not, it's not a picnic. It's not a walk in the park. <laughs> it is a fight. Much as we detest it. Alright, so then Saul, who was also called Paul, now here we see his name changed from Saul to Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? I know, again, I have to stop and say, sometimes you wish you could, sometimes you wish you could say things Things like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be walking in love by this world's standards, is I guess what I'm trying to say, if you said this to someone today. Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And sadly, we have people in the church that this can apply to. And now behold, the hands of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. So here we see that Paul dealt with the resistance, that insertion, that hindrance to the word of God coming forth. He dealt with it severely, didn't he? And so we must too. And now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Now notice Again, you know, Jesus did this too. He went to the synagogue. He respected the, the form of worship that they, that they had. And yeah, they, you know, they resisted him, whatever, whatever. And, and you know, the, the, the apostles had the same problem. They went into the synagogue. They spoke. Eventually they um, got tossed out. But, but they were looking for that point of contact with the Jewish people, with the people who should be the ones to be most receptive to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, again, we can learn. We can learn from their example that they went to the, they, they went to, to make that point of contact. And we can learn, you know, there's times where we need to go to people where they're at, meet them at their, at their, at their point of understanding. It's sometimes way different from where we're at, but it's not about where we're at. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, we just have to step out of our comfort zone and and meet a person where they're at. And I'm learning that in new and fresh ways all the time as I serve at Your Loving Choices. There's, uh, was able to be part of a incredible webinar the other day with a woman named Abby Johnson. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she used to work for Planned Parenthood. And um, anyway, it's another whole story. But she came out of that organization, and one of her one of the things that she said was, 
you know, that we need to continue to find a way to dialogue with people that don't agree with our point of view and keep in conversation with them because we never know what's going on inside their hearts and how our our conversation, our our words, how our living can impact them. And in her case, that was true. Eventually, you know, she was impacted by people who were praying for her. And so, you know, not to step away from every one that doesn't agree with our way of thinking and that line up with our theology and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We need to apply that into our living. Not that we, um, you know, the Bible talks about um, Psalm 1, I'm thinking of. Blessed is the man, you know, that doesn't stand and sit and walk with the ungodly. There's that balance, isn't there? We're not to we're we're not to spend our idle t- our, our our recreational time for for our own pleasure with 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 unbelievers all the time. There may be times where the Holy Spirit leads us to do that for this purpose that we have a point of contact that we have. I've seen uh, my brother in New Jersey. He he does some of this stuff. He became a coach with the little league and he started to build relationships with other parents and other coaches. And that has you know, blessed his blessed his church too, and so you know there there's some of that 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 we need to be open to, and we need to allow God to use us however He wants to, but not to be closed off. And we see here they always went to the synagogue. Now you know they knew they knew before they went into the synagogue that it, that ultimately probably wasn't going to be received, but they still went. And so it's just, just good for us to, to always remember to keep our ears and our hearts open for the direction of the Holy Spirit. I think that's the most beautiful thing in the book of Acts is that we see that the Holy Spirit's so diverse that you can't say this is the, the only way to do this, this is the only way to do that, this is always the way God does things. No, not so much. If we're open and listening and receptive to hear his voice, you know, in this situation, the Holy Spirit will say, go here, do this. Over here on another given day, in another situation, he may say to us, Mm-mm, don't go there, danger. And our part is to listen and be in tune and be receptive and be willing and obedient, whether it's yes, go ahead, step into that, or nope, don't, don't go there, don't step into that. And that's our part, and that's the beauty, because he doesn't lead us wrong. The Holy Spirit's not going to lead us where we shouldn't shouldn't go, or shouldn't be, or um, will even sometimes spare us the, you know, outpouring of a lot of energy um, needlessly. So we can trust the, the the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that takes practice, doesn't it? Again, another piece that doesn't just pop into our lives like a miraculous uh, (laughs) Superman moment. (laughs) It's something that as we read God's word, get get accustomed to learning and hearing his voice and knowing and understanding, yes, this is the Holy Spirit leading me. No, that's not. That takes practice, doesn't it? That takes walking with God and having a real desire to please him and know his voice. And so... We want to be those kind of people that we're effective, that we're not, you know, there's 
And we've seen this over, if you study history, you see this repeatedly throughout history where a group says, okay, well, we don't want to be uh, contaminated by 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 the world, so we'll just all stay together, stay together, stay together, and, and live over here in this little community. What happens? They, and, and, and they typically just all die out or will kill one another or or, or, or something. <laughs> okay? Jesus said we're to be in the world, not of the world. We're to be in the world. What good are we going to be if we never ever touch anybody else's life and never have any um, interaction with anybody except those who believe and think just like we do? Probably won't happen. So it's good for us to remember that sometimes just God's a stuff that's just way out of our, our, our box. Okay. So they go into the synagogue, and after the reading of the law, okay, well, let's go back up to 14. But when they departed from Perga, came to Antioch, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. There they were. They opened the door for them to bring forth the word. Do you have a word? of exhortation for us, recognizing that they were men of God. So that was great. I can honestly say through my years of growing up, we had many men and women of God in our home, and they were allowed the opportunity to speak the word of God around our table in our living room, and my life was great, has been greatly enriched because of those opportunities. And so just to say that, you know, we can invite the Word of God into our lives by that process, having people in our home that we know love the Word and allow them to speak into our lives, over our lives. I can't even, I couldn't even begin to convey to you or share with you the richness, the impartation, the blessing that has flowed into my life simply as a result of having people in our home that were godly men and women and that loved God and loved his word and spoke about his word. just I'm just thinking now of table conversations and table worships where we would sing and worship and pray together and uh, the word would be discussed and talked about. Someone would be prayed over. Just in our home, forget about all the other the other stuff, church and meetings and meetings and meetings, just the stuff that was imparted in our home alone. And so, you know, inviting that into your life, you can do that. And it does make a difference. I can tell you that. I thank God for that. And so then Paul stood up and beckoning. You know, on the other hand, you can, you can, you can block all that out, but you're the loser. You're you're the one who's who's uh, who comes away the the poorer for it. And it, it always inviting that into your life. Wow, just it's like a treasure. It's like a treasure, and and the, the treasure you, you're like a treasure chest, and it, it it gets poured in and imparted and poured in and imparted, and you become. You become something you couldn't possibly become without 
without that happening. So there's value. There's great value in that. So anyway, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. Listen, in other words. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwell as strangers in the land of Egypt and with an high arm brought them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided the land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto the judges about the space of 400 years, 50 years, and then until Samuel the prophet. And after he's really capsulizing the history of Israel. And afterward, they desired a king. God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Here in the New Testament, you know, this is said in the Old Testament many times, and that's in 1 Samuel 13. But... You know, that was said of David in the Old Testament, but here it's repeated in the New. You know, that David was a man after God's own heart. What did David love? What did David have a passion for? For the Word, right? Oh, how I love thy law. Oh, I love your Word. Your Word is to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. He loved God's Word. He loved the Word of God. All right. A man after God's own heart. And if we're going to be men and women after God's own heart, we're going to love his word. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? Now remember, we have to always go back to this, because we tend to forget it because we didn't live then. But these people lived then, okay? They remembered John the Baptist. This wasn't like a hundred years ago but to them, okay? Remember, Jesus' ministry was only three and a half short years, and John was right before that. So this was like in their, in the, right, this was in their lifetime not that long ago, okay? And they didn't have um, internet and TV and, you know, cell phones and, and, and all of that. So <laughs> their world was more limited, but they knew you know, they, they knew about this. They knew about this. And so this was in their lifetime. And they had heard, maybe some of them not firsthand, because of course they were traveling, but that word had spread. And John fulfilled his course. He said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you fears God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. The word was first preached to the Jewish people, to Israel. It was first to them. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them he gives power to become the sons of God. So we see here, he says, to you the word of this salvation is sent. It was their day of opportunity. They had undoubtedly heard because, again, they were, it was a synagogue. They had heard, I'm sure they had heard about Jesus and about John the Baptist. And now here comes Paul. 
and teaching them and telling them that Jesus had come and that the word was for them. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of the them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we to declare unto you glad tidings, good news, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God has fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the, the sure mercies of David, which is a phrase that's used over and over again. You search that out. That's a neat study. The sure mercies of David, because God promised him, God promised him that his seed would be enduring. He promised him the sure mercies of David, that a Savior would come, would be born. Search that out. That's a good study to do. Wherefore, he also, in another psalm, said, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and also saw corruption. By he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Notice his focal point here is what? The resurrection is the good news, is the message. Yes, Calvary had to come first, but the but Calvary and the story would be bad news. Calvary with the resurrection attached to it is good news. Hallelujah. Must never forget that the resurrection is the core message, is the focal point. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which we could not be justified by the law of Moses. We see here that that Saul Paul has certainly a grasp of how the scriptures apply to Jesus. And remember, he had been trained up under the feet of Gamaliel, it says in another place, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew the scriptures. And because he allowed himself to be regenerated and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he's able to understand the scriptures in a whole different way than he used to understand them. And, and you know, that's one of the key issues, isn't it? People who struggle with the word of God typically are either not born again or not spirit-filled. Because it's through the Holy Spirit and knowing the Lord, being in relationship with him, that we understand the word. We would not understand the word either. It's not for being in relationship with the Lord and, and having the Holy Spirit at work within us. It doesn't work. People read the word and they come up with this with all kinds of stuff that's just totally inaccurate, false. All, you know, you've heard it all. And, and it, you know, so really and truly, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. There's just no two ways about it. 
Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken in the prophets, Behold, ye despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Here again, he, he applies a scripture to them that was written about them that they wouldn't have never probably known applied. But by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he applies it. Watch out. You know, the scriptures say that he, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. In other words, even the rejection of the Messiah was foretold. And they needed to be careful that they weren't on the wrong side of it. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words, there's the words again, might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Notice who requested it, the Gentiles. The Gentiles were hungry. This was news to them. It was starting to be good news for them. Prior to this, it it's kind of like what, what some of us have lived long enough to see what happened in the uh, Roman Catholic Church when they changed from speaking the Mass in Latin to speaking it in English. Suddenly, people started to understand the Word and that Jesus was the Savior and that they could be saved. And there was a great time of renewal where many of those people, many people attending the Catholic Church started to come to the Lord and be born again in charismatic renewal time. And that's what it came from. That's one of the things that sparked it is that the Mass went from Latin to English and people started to understand the word. They didn't understand the Latin. And so <laughs> we see how, yeah, we see how when, when the word is preached and people start to understand it, it brings joy, it brings transformation, it brings deliverance, it brings re- rebirth. And the Gentiles started to hear the word and they were like, hey, we want to hear more. We got to hear more about this. We need to hear more. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who were speaking to them and persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So we see here that the conversation continued. Again, you know, sometimes because we we read it quickly and we're trying to get it in, you kind of miss some of this, but we see here that they, they, the conversation continued outside of the synagogue. <laughs> they followed them. They said, come on, let's sit down. Let's break bread. Let's talk. <laughs> we, you know, we, we, there's questions. We, we want to know more. And, and that's how it happens. That's how it happens. As much, as much revelation and breaking of the bread, that's what I was trying to say to you before, happens as we fellowship with one another and talk to one another about the word sometimes, as happens in the short, brief time that we're here on, on Sunday morning. And so it's important that we fellowship with one another. The body of Christ is extremely important to us. All right. And the next Sabbath, they came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. What was happening? What was happening? What was happening? That word was what it was stirring. It was, it was getting out there. It was living. It was, Oh, people were getting excited about the word. They hadn't heard it before, and now they're hearing it, and they're understanding it. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and speak against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. There you have it, the choice, right? The fight, always. 
In this case, just simply for envy because they were pulling a bigger crowd than, than they were. What a shame, right? Again, should never be. <laughs> Where the gospel's truly being, being spoken and lives are being touched and people are getting delivered. Thank you, Jesus. We should never be against that. Always before that. Always believing that God will take them, move them on, grow people up and get them connected to good places of worship and, and instruction. But we should never be against that. And even Jesus told that to his disciples as they walked along. Remember one day somebody said, oh, somebody's baptizing people over there. Should we, um, get, should we tell them to stop? And he was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's the matter with you? Who cares how, what, if, if they're, they're either with us or against, or, or against us. If they're with us, praise the Lord, right? Good things. Okay. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold, no surprise there, right? And said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. There you go. There you have it. Always it's a choice. Always it's a consequence. They had the opportunity. They can step into it. They can embrace it but they choose to reject it. They choose to say, Ugh. They, it says that they contradicted and blasphemed what they had said. So they chose, and there were consequences to those choices. And that's the truth of life. We choose, and there are consequences to our choices. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee as a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Another quote from the Old Testament. From Isaiah. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord they glorified. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, expelled them out of their coasts. There you go. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came into Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Notice they weren't depressed. They weren't, oh me, oh my, oh dear, you know, they resisted us. They didn't accept it. They persecuted us. The Jews persecuted us. Oh, boo-hoo, you know, the devil is uh, attacking me. <laughs> no, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were doing what God had sent them to do. They were speaking the words of life and the results, what people chose to react or receive or not receive. They just they, they shook the dust off their feet. They didn't let it. You know, would to God we would be that, that, that strong, right? That whether it's our message is received or not, we don't take it personally. We realize it's not about us. It's about the message. It's about him. It's about how people react to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Christ that lives within us. And so may we be faithful to speak his word, even when it's not easy. It's not always easy. It isn't. May God help us and may we walk humbly with our God and be willing and obedient. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to be true to your word always even when it's difficult, Lord, and help us always to invite 
those into our homes who walk with you, that we may receive that impartation and that blessing. Help us always to want to fellowship and talk about your word and learn your word more perfectly, that we may be able to share it and impart it to others, Lord. Help us, Lord, to walk humbly with our God. Bless this day now, all that is yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.